Uh, hi. Hi. Welcome to Infinite Cast. A podcast. <laughs> about, about Infinite Jest. Uh, it's not about Infinite Jest. It's, it's, it's about a lot of things. It's about a lot of things. But in this podcast, what's going to happen? Oh, I'm Molly. I'm Chris. I'm Molly O'Brien. I'm Chris Wade. And this is our what I would like to call a shit post podcast. Yes, because it's not. There's no frills, no no thrills. Maybe a few thrills. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully in the book itself. In the book itself, uh, I'm going to read you the book Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, and I am going to listen patiently and sometimes comment on it. You should ask any questions that you you come up with. Um, why are we doing this podcast? We've been talking about doing this uh, for a while, which is, um, you know, we like to uh, we like to play with the gender roles in our relationship. It's true. Um, in that, in this relationship, um, I, uh, Molly is the is the man. I'm the infinite jest who man. Is the dirt bag is the dirt bag man who has one book on her bookshelf, and it's infinite jest. Yeah. She is the one who has read Infinite Jest, and I have never read Infinite Jest. And uh, I couldn't <laughs> live a second longer without you reading Infinite Jest. But we're, you, I'm not going to make you read it with your eyeballs. She is the Chad, and I am the Virgin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is the, the dirtbag podcaster, and I am her queen. Yes. <laughs> you, are my, you are my queen. And I figure, you know, this is, this is just a, a stupid podcast, but if you are, listen to this... You will it once we finish it. You will have read Infinite Jest too. Yeah, hopefully. So think I'm, about it as like an audio book um, made by two weird people. <laughs> two, two uh, mostly made, one made but. by one weirdo and one idiot. Uh, <laughs> no, because Infinite Jest is always in the discourse as this like totem of like well, I don't even know what it's like, supposed to represent. Mental like. In, in well, I don't know what it's supposed to represent like, either. Someone who had way too much time on their hands, like um, pretentiousness. A, a, um, it's it's always used as a totem of a of a guy who's some kind of like a selfish idiot for having read this like hyper intellectual thousand page book. Yeah, I don't know. It's it pops up in the discourse like once every two months in the same way that like uh date like dating ages. You yeah. know, there's the things on Twitter. Like, ladies, like, don't fuck a man who's read Infinite Jest. And as Matt Christman sa- said. Bitch, you're lucky he's read any book yeah, ever. Yeah, that's the th- other thing is that this will be a different experience because you haven't read fiction in quite some time. No, I haven't. I've since we started our relationship five years ago. I've read I think three books, and one like one of them is like a history of America's nuclear arsenal. Yeah, uh, but I'm changing that. I'm 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 getting back into reading. Yeah, but more historic historical nonfiction. Yeah. Well, this is not that. This yeah. is I don't know what this is. I, I like this book. I've actually read it twice because I'm a I'm a, you are a psycho. Freak. But I really like it. It's a really big long book. It's good. It's a big wet book. It's there's a lot in it. There's do you do you know anything about it before we get into I it? I know that it's about okay, so I have I have to my to my man credit read all both DFW collections of essays, which are very good and entertaining and dense and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know like his vibe as, as like a sarcastic genius, uh, who is very, very good at observing things about the world and the society that we live in. Yeah. He uh, definitely knew that we live in a society. He is, a, he is, uh, is he, is he the, uh, 
is he the Joker of contemporary not of contemporary fiction? Maybe if he was still alive, the America's Joker man of letters. I feel like um, Brett Easton Ellis like thinks he is, but yeah. he's not. Yes, whatever. Uh, so I know that this book is a post what like a postmodern fairy tale about an entertainment that is so all consuming that you uh, that you like literally die from gorging on it. That is essentially what it's about. It is also about tennis. It's about Boston. It's about addiction. It's about um, like deformity and like like weird things about like the human body. It's about um, uh, movies, like cinema. Yeah. It's about all kinds. It's got it it's all. It's about society. It's about a society that we live in. And it's about, yeah, and it's about entertainment. So I think that the format of this, again, it's called Infinite Cast. We're going to be doing this, if we commit to it, approximately forever. I'm committed. Uh, At least as long as we're both we're, alive. We're doing a little intro now, um, but I think for the future episodes, the idea is that we will like start recording and immediately just start reading. And Molly's going to read about a 20 to 30 minute, 20, 30 minute segment, section. and then we'll talk about it a little at the end. Yes, and and you can also ask questions about like who yeah. is who's talking, and I'll do my best to answer it. I I have not read like scholarly materials about this book. Yeah, I, a lot of things are up to my like interpretation and misinterpretation. So you might ask me a question, I might answer it, I might answer it incorrectly. But lucky for everyone listening, if anyone bothers to listen to this at all, there are comments probably on SoundCloud that you can sound off in. <laughs> yes, and please tell me how I got it please, wrong. D- please start a, an Infinite Jest book club in the SoundCloud comment SoundCloud comment. Fuck it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so hopefully if in the in going forward when we start recording, we'll just hop right into the book. So yeah. so if you are a, also a sick freak, you could theoretically use this as a kind of audiobook. Yeah. To uh to Infinite Jest yeah. with minor interruptions. Join the discourse. Join us. Yes. Join us today. And hopefully by the <laughs> end of it, we will uh we will reclaim Infinite Jest uh cuz I'm fully prepared to be like, "Damn, good book. Cool." Yeah. Not like, "Uh, Infinite jest, only pretentious weirdos. We'll see. This. We will see. Uh, the the only other thing I'll say before we get started is that this book, the way it is not written, I'm pretty sure David Foster Wallace went on the record as saying it is not written to be read aloud. <laughs> and so there's a lot of abbreviations. We all know the famous footnotes. There's a lot of insane stuff. So please just be patient with me as I try to handle uh, how to read this weirdly formatted book. And also there's definitely going to be things I mispronounce and you will love it. Yeah, it's great. Who cares? Words don't matter. Pronounce words, it however. Words don't matter. Pronounce it however it appears on page. Yeah, he's DFW is not alive to argue with me. Yeah, <laughs> which is he, he totally that that's himself. on him. That's on him. Yes. Um. All right. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, there's also. We'll just get into it. Uh. This this first chapter takes place during the year of Glad. Okay. I am seated in an office surrounded by heads and bodies. My posture is consciously congruent to the shape of my hard chair. This is a cold room in university administration, wood-walled, Remington-hung, double-windowed against the November heat, insulated from administrative sounds by the reception area outside, at which Uncle Charles, Mr. DeLint, and I were lately received. I am in here. Three faces have resolved into place above summer-weight sport coats and half-Windsors, across a polished pine conference table, shiny with the spidered light of an Arizona noon. These are three deans of admissions, academic affairs, athletic affairs. I do, not, I do not know which face belongs to whom. I believe I appear neutral, maybe even pleasant, 
though I've been coached to err on the side of neutrality and not attempt what would feel to me like a pleasant expression or smile. I have committed to crossing my legs, I hope carefully, ankle on knee, hands together in the lap of my slacks. My fingers are mated into a mirrored series of what manifests to me as the letter X. The interview room's other personnel include the university's director of composition, its varsity tennis coach, and academy pro rector, Mr. A. DeLint. CT is beside me. Uh, the other sit, sit, stand and stand, respectively, at the periphery of my focus. The tennis coach jingles pocket change. There is something vaguely digestive about the room's odor. The high-traction sole of my complimentary Nike sneaker runs parallel to the wobbling loafer of my mother's half-brother, here in his capacity as headmaster, sitting in the chair to what I hope is my immediate right, also facing Dean's. The Dean at left, a lean, yellowish man whose fixed smile nevertheless has the impermanent quality of something stamped into uncooperative material, is a personality type I've come lately to appreciate. The type who delays need of any response from me by relating my side of the story for me to me. Past a packet of computer sheets by the shaggy lion of a dean at center, he is speaking more or less to these pages, smiling down. You are Harold Incandenza, 18, date of secondary school. This is who's who's talking, by the way. Yes, I I think I got that. You got that. Date of secondary school graduation approximately one month from now attending the Enfield Tennis Academy, Enfield, Massachusetts, a boarding school where you reside. His reading glasses are rectangular, court-shaped, the sidelines at top and bottom. You are, according to Coach White and Dean Unintelligible, a regionally, nationally, and continentally ranked junior tennis player, a potential ONANCAA athlete of substantial promise, recruited by Coach White via correspondence with Dr. Tavis here commencing... February of this year, the top page is removed and brought around neatly to the bottom of the sheaf at intervals. You have been in residence at the Enfield Tennis Academy since age seven. I am debating whether to risk scratching the right side of my jaw where there is a when. Coach White informs our offices that he holds the Enfield Tennis Academy's program and achievements in high regard. That the University of Arizona tennis squad has profited from the prior matriculation of several former ETA alumni one of whom was Mr. Aubrey F. DeLint, who appears also to be with you here today. Coach White and his staff have given us, the yellow administrator's usage is on the whole undistinguished, indist- <laughs> though I have to admit he's made himself understood. The director of composition seems to have more than the number, usual number of eyebrows. The dean at right is looking at my face a bit strangely. Uncle Charles is saying that though he can anticipate that the deans might be predisposed to weigh what he avers as coming from his possible appearance as a kind of cheerleader for ETA, he can assure the assembled deans that all of this is true and that the academy has presently in residence no fewer than a third of all the, top, uh, the continent's top 30 juniors in age brackets all across the board, and that I here, who go by Hal usually, am right up there amongst the very cream. <laughs> right and center deans smile professionally. The heads of DeLint and the coach incline as the dean at left clears his throat, uh, given us belief that you could well make, even as a freshman, a real contribution to this university's varsity tennis program. We are pleased, he either says or reads, removing a page, that a competition of some major sort here has brought you down and given us the chance to sit down and chat together about your application and potential recruitment and matriculation and scholarship. Uh, I've been asked to add that Hal here is seeded third, boys 18 and under singles in the prestigious Whataburger Southwest Junior Invitational (laughs) out at the Randolph Tennis Center, says what I infer is athletic affairs, his cocked head showing a freckled scalp. 
out at Randolph Park near the outstanding El Con Marriott, CT inserts, a venue this, the whole con, oh, sorry, a venue the whole contingent's been vocal about finding absolutely top hole thus far, which, interrupting, just so Chuck, and that according to Chuck here, Hal has already justified his seed. He's reached the semifinals as of this morning's apparently impressive win, and that he'll be playing out at the center again tomorrow against the winner of a quarterfinal game tonight, and so will be playing tomorrow at, I believe, scheduled for 0830. Try to get underway before the god-awful heat out there, though, of course, a dry heat. <laughs> and it has apparently already qualified for this winter's continental indoors up in Edmonton, Kirk tells me cocking further to look up and left at the varsity coach, whose smile's teeth are radiant against a violent sunburn. Which is something indeed, he smiles, looking at me. Did we get all that right, Hal? CT has crossed his arms carefully. Their triceps' flesh is webbed with mottle in the air-conditioned sunlight. You sure did, Bill, he smiles. The two halves of his mustache never quite match. And let me say, if I may, that Hal's excited, excited to be invited for the third year running to the Invitational again, to be back here in a community he has real affection for, to visit with your alumni and coaching staff, to have already justified his high seat in this week's not unstiff competition, to, as they say, still be in it without the fat woman in the Viking hat having sung, so to speak, but of course, most of all, to have a chance to meet you gentlemen and have a look at the facilities here. Everything here is absolutely top slot from what he's seen. There is a silence. Delint shifts his back against the room's paneling and recenters his weight. My uncle beams and straightens a straight watch band. 62.5% of the room's faces are directed my way, pleasantly expectant. My chest bumps like a dryer with shoes in it. <laughs> I compose what I project will be seen as a smile. I turn this way and that, slightly, sort of directing the expression to everyone in the room. There is a new silence. The yellow dean's eyebrows go circumflex. The other two deans look to the director of composition. The tennis coach has moved to stand at the broad window, feeling at the back of his crew cut. Uncle Charles strokes the forearm above his watch. Sharp curved palm shadows move slightly over the pine table shine. The, ones, the one head's shadow, a black moon. Is Hal all right, Chuck? Athletic Affairs asked. Hal just seemed to, well, grimace. Is he in pain? Are you in pain, son? <laughs> Hal's right as rain, smiles my uncle, soothing the air with a casual hand. Just a bit of, let's call it maybe a facial tick, slightly, at all the adrenaline of being here on your impressive campus, justifying his seed so far without dropping a set, receiving that official written offer of not only waivers, but a living allowance from Coach White here on Pac-10 letterhead, being ready in all probability to sign a national letter of intent right here and now this very day, he's indicated to me. CT looks to me, his look horribly mild. I do the same thing, relaxing every muscle in my face, emptying out all expression. I stare carefully into the Kekulian knot of the middle <laughs> dean's necktie. My silent response to the expected silence begins to affect the air of the room, the bits of dust and sport coat lint stirred around by the AC's vents, dancing jaggedly in the slanted pane of window light, the air over the table like the sparkling space just above a fresh-poured seltzer. <laughs> the coach, in a slight accent neither British nor Australian, is telling CT that the whole application interface process, while usually just a pleasant formality, is probably best accentuated by letting the applicant speak up for himself. Right and center deans have inclined together in soft conference, forming a kind of teepee of skin and hair. <laughs> I presume it's probably facilitate that the tennis coach mistook for accentuate, though accelerate while clunkier than facilitate is from a phonetic perspective more sensible as a mistake. 
The dean with the flat yellow face has leaned forward, his lips drawn back from his teeth in what I see as concern. His hands come together on the conference table surface. His own fingers look like they mate as my own 4X series dissolves and I hold tight to the sides of my chair. We need candidly to chat, re-potential problems with my application, they and I, he is beginning to say. He makes a reference to candor and its value. <laughs> the, the, off, uh, the issues my office faces with the application materials on file from you, Hal, involve some test scores. He glances down at a colorful sheet of standardized scores in the trench his arms have made. The admissions staff is looking at standardized test scores that, from you that are all, as I'm sure you know and can explain, shall we say, subnormal. I'm to explain. It's clear that this really pretty sincere yellow dean at left is admissions. And surely the little of aviarian figure at right is athletics then, because the facial creases of the shaggy middle dean are now perched in a kind of distance affront. And I'm eating something that makes me really appreciate the presence of whatever I'm drinking along with it look. <laughs> that spells professionally academic reservations. An uncomplicated loyalty to standards then at center. My uncle looks to athletics as if puzzled. He shifts slightly in his chair. The incongruity between admissions hand and face color is almost wild. Uh, verbal scores that are just a little bit closer to zero than we're comfortable with. <laughs> As against a secondary tra school transcript from the institution where both your mother and her brother are administrators, reading directly out of the sheaf inside his arm's uh, ellipse, that this past year, yes, has fallen off a bit, but by the word, uh, I mean fallen off to outstanding from three previous years of frankly incredible, off the charts. Most institutions do not even have grades of A with multiple pluses after it, said the director of composition, <laughs> his expression impossible to interpret. This kind of, how shall I put it, incongruity, admission says, his expression frank and concerned, I've got to tell you, sends up a red flag of potential concern during the admissions process. We thus invite you to explain the appearance of incongru incongruity, if not outright shenanigans. <laughs> Dean of Students has a piping voice that's absurd coming out of a face this big. Surely by incredible, you mean very, very, very impressive, as opposed to literally, quote, incredible, surely, says CT, seeming to watch the coach at the window massaging the back of his neck. The huge window gives, out nothing, gives on nothing more than dazzling sunlight and cracked earth with heat shimmers over it. Then there is before us the matter of not the required two, but nine separate application essays, some of which of nearly monograph length, each without exception being different sheet. The adjective various evaluators use was, quote, stellar, director of composition. I made in my assessment deliberate use of lapidary and defeat. <laughs> uh, but in areas and with titles, I'm sure you recall quite, quite well how neoclassical assumptions in contemporary prescriptive grammar the implications of post-four-year transformations for a holographically mimetic cinema. The emergence of heroic stasis in broadcast entertainment. Montague grammar and the semantics of physical modality? A man who began to suspect he was made out of glass? Tertiary symbolism in Justinian erotica? <laughs> now showing broad expanses of recessed gum. Suffice to say that there's some frank and candid concern about the recipient of these unfortunate test scores, though perhaps explainable test scores, being these essays' sole individual author. I'm not sure Hal's sure just what's being implied here, my uncle says. The dean at center is fingering his lapels as he interprets distasteful computed data. What the university is saying here is that from a strictly academic point of view, there are admission problems that Hal needs to try to help us iron out. A matriculant's first role at the university is and must be as a student. 
We couldn't admit a student we have reason to suspect can't cut the mustard, no matter how much of an asset he might be on the field. Dean Sawyer means the court, of course, Chuck, Athletic Affairs says. Head severely cocked, so he's including the white person behind him in the address somehow. The white person. Uh, Not to mention ONA and CAA regulations and investigators always snuffling around for some sort of whiff of the smell of impropriety. The varsity tennis coach looks at his own watch. Assuming these board scores are accurate reflectors of true capacity in this case, Academic Affairs says, his high voice serious and sotto, still looking at the file before him as if it were a plate of something bad. I'll tell you right now, my opinion is it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to the other applicants. Wouldn't be fair to the university community. He looks at me. And it'd be especially unfair to Hal himself. Admitting a boy we see as simply an athletic asset would amount to just using that boy. We're under myriad scrutiny just to make sure that we're not using anybody. Your board results, son, indicate that we could be accused of using you. (laughs) Uncle Charles is asking Coach White to ask the Dean of Athletic Affairs whether the weather over scores would be as heavy if I were, say, a revenue-raising football prodigy. The familiar panic at being misperceived is rising, and my chest bumps and thuds. I expend energy on remaining utterly silent in my chair, empty, my eyes two great pale zeros. (laughs) People have promised to get me through this. Uncle C.T., though, has the pinched look of the cornered. His voice takes on an odd timbre when he's cornered, as if he were shouting as he receded. Hal's grades at ETA, which I should stress as an academy, not simply a camp or factory, accredited by both the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the North American Sports Academy Association, it's focused on the total needs of the player and student, founded by a towering intellectual figure who I hardly need name here, and based by him on the rigorous Oxbridge Quadrivium Trivium Curricular Model. A school fully staffed and equipped by a fully certified staff should show that my nephew here can cut just about any Pac-10 mustard that needs cutting. And that, Delint is moving toward the tennis coach who is shaking his head, would be able to see a distinct flavor of minor sport prejudice about this whole thing, CT says, crossing and recrossing his legs as I listen, composed and staring. The room's carbonated silence is now hostile. I think it's time to let the actual applicant himself speak out on his own behalf, Academic Affairs says very quietly. This seems somehow impossible with you here, sir. Athletic smiles tiredly under a hand that massages the bridge of his nose. Maybe you'd excuse us for a moment and wait outside, Chuck? Coach White could accompany Mr. Tavis and his associate out to reception, the yellow dean says, smiling into my unfocused eyes. <sighs> Led to believe this has all been ironed out in advance from the CT is saying as he and Delint are shown to the door. The tennis coach extends a hypertrophied arm. Athletic says, we're all friends and colleagues here. This is not working out. It strikes me that exit signs would look to a native speaker of Latin like red-lit signs that say, he leaves. (laughs) I would yield to the urge to bolt for the door ahead of them if I could know that bolting for the door is what the men in this room would see. Delint is murmuring something to the tennis coach. Sound of keyboards, phone consoles, as the door is briefly opened and firmly shut. I am alone amongst administrative heads. Uh, offense to anyone attended, uh, Athletic Affairs is saying, his sport coat tan and his necktie insignated in tiny print. Beyond just physical abilities out there in play, which, believe me, we respect, want, believe me. Uh, question about, uh, sorry, question about it that we wouldn't be so anxious to chat with you directly, see? That we've known in processing several applications through Coach White's office that the Enfield schools operated, however impressively, by close relations of first your brother, who I can still remember the way White's predecessor, Maury Clamkin, wooed that kid. <laughs> so that grade's objectivity can all be, all too easily be called into question by whoever is calling. NAAUP, ill-willed Pac-10 programs, ONA and CAA. 
The essays are old ones, yes, but they are mine, de moi. But they are, yes, old. Not quite on the application's instructed subject of most meaningful educational experience ever. (laughs) If I'd done you one from the last year, it would look to you like some sort of infant's random stabs on a keyboard. And to you, who use whomsoever as a subject. And in this small, new smaller company, the director of composition seems abruptly to have actuated, emerged as both the alpha of the pack here and way more effeminate than he seemed as first, standing hip shot with a hand on his waist, walking with a roll to his shoulders, jingling change as he pulls up his pants as he slides into the chair still warm from CT's bottom, crossing his legs in a way that inclines him well into my personal space that I, so I can see multiple eyebrow ticks and capillary webs in the oysters below his eyes and smell fabric softener and the remains of a breath mint turns sour uh a bright solid but very shy boy we know about your being very shy kirk white's told us what your athletically built if rather standoffish younger instructor told him the director says softly cupping what i feel to be a hand over my sport coat's biceps surely not who simply need to swallow hard and trust his side of the story to these gentlemen who bear no maliciousness none at all but are doing our jobs and trying to look out for everyone's interests at the same time I can picture Delin and White sitting with their elbows on their knees in the defecatory posture of all athletes at rest. Delint staring at his huge thumbs while CT in the reception area paces in a tight ellipse, speaking into his portable phone. I have been coached for this like a dawn before a Rico hearing. A (laughs) a neutral and effectless silence. Uh, Affectless silence. This sort of all defensive game shtit used to have me play. The best defense. Let everything bounce off you. Do nothing. I'd tell you all you wanted more if the sounds I made could be what you could hear. Athletics with his head out from under his wing to avoid admission procedures that could be seen as primarily athletics oriented. It could be a mess, son. Bill means the appearance, not necessarily the real true facts of the matter, which you alone can fill in, said the director of composition. Uh, the appearance of the high athletic ranking, the subnormal, subnormal scores, the over-academic essays, the incredible grades vortexing out of what could be seen as a nepotistic situation. The yellow dean has leaned so far forward that his tie is going to have a horizontal dent from the table edge, his face sallow and kindly and no shit whatever. Look here, Mr. Incondenza. How? Please just explain to me why we couldn't be accused of using you, son. Why nobody could come and say to us, why, look here, University of Arizona, here you are using a boy for just his body. A boy <laughs> so shine withdrawn he won't speak up for himself. A jock with doctored marks and a store-bought application. The Brewster's angle light of the tablecloth, a tabletop appears as a rose flush behind my closed lids. I cannot make myself understood. I am not just a jock, I say slowly, distinctly. My transcript for the last year might have been dickied a bit, maybe, but that was just to get me over a rough spot. The grades prior to that are de moi. My eyes are closed. The room is silent. I cannot make myself understood now. I'm speaking slowly and distinctly. Call it something I ate. How are we doing on time? Uh, that's exactly 20 minutes. Let's, is I that, mean, is do, that you, a good do you feel that's a good stopping point? Is that, is that a break in the thing? Yeah. Great. Awesome. That's a good first segment. How, how do you feel? Uh, what is going on here? <laughs> Do you have any questions? Do you, are, you, do you want to, are you doing a reading comprehension test? For <laughs> no, yes. Uh, so my, who... my first reaction is uh, the same thing that I would say from reading his essays. Dang, does DFW know his way around a sentence? He's got words. He's, the man's got words. And he knows how to put two words and possibly even a third next to each other for a very uh, pleasing effect. I forgot how gr- grammarian the shit is, too. I promise it is not all like this. Oh, I love. I like the part where he was... Uh, 
crit- where one character was criticizing the other character's word choice in his own writing. I yeah. that's funny. They made he made this this character. I think he's the the only character who cares about grammar. He's a grammar freak. Uh, how? How? Incandesa. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I will do some brief reading comprehension on that because it, it is a little difficult to file. To he really throws you in there. Uh, yeah. As you as you write, basically like. The only thing that I need to make clear is is the academic situation with this kid, right? Is that his grades from the tennis academy that his mother is the headmaster of. Yes. Are, mother and, uh, and uncle. Uncle are both work at, that he's a student at, are superfluously good. A plus, plus, plus. Yeah. And the essays that he submitted to his like college essay things are those like ridiculously intellectual like Justinian art analysis yes. or whatever. Yes. But his like standardized test scores are dog shit. Yes. And they're like trying and the, and that's what they're trying to do here is is like bridge those inconsistencies. Inconsistencies. Yes. That's right. Great. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you you in? You dig yeah, it? Yeah, in? I'm in it. It's great. Great. Uh, a, a a a light novel about a boy who's good at tennis trying to get into college. Totally, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, it's good. What What do you think so far? Uh, it's funny reading it again yeah. for the third time. For the third time, it, it's it is a lot of words to basically just describe a kid who's uh, in a meeting with a bunch of academic administrators about to explain himself. Yeah. Well, I also know that. So I know the next novel, the one that he never finished, Pale King. Yeah. Uh, is the the concept is it's like basically a novel about boredom and tediousness, yeah. right? Yeah. Set in the IRS. Uh, so, and I think that even thinking that that is explicitly what his second novel is about kind of gives light to something that's going on. You can tell is going on here, which his is him reveling in using ten thousand words to explain a hundred word concept. Yes, uh, and and that and really forcing you to wallow in all the minutia of observation. And uh, nuance of interaction and and, and de- just needless details and stuff like that that are yeah. then made compelling by his ability to write good sentences. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. It, it, and also, it's funny. It's like, funny. Every third sentence is a joke. Yeah, he's he's yeah. packing it in there. I mean, amongst all the words. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much commentary we want to do about it. I, I like the Whataburger tennis thing. Yeah. I think in the end, I, I should probably get a copy of the book too. And I think I should probably we- read along. That would probably be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much more we, uh, more we can uh, ring out, out of this. I, I guess. As, as Jay-Z once said, what more can I say? What more can Was I that say? a Jay-Z song? Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? I, I guess like the overarching journey of this is going to be a, or my theme over the next, what we're, we got ten pages we, into it. Yeah, this is going. This is gonna be a long podcast. <laughs> so if we did ten, and it's what is it like a thousand pages? Yeah, it's. I think it ends up topping out at like nine, nine hundred pre uh, footnotes. So this would be a hundred episodes. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I'll take. Let's a, let's fucking go. Yeah, I one a week. That's two two years. Um, I I don't know if we can promise to uh to do one a week. Uh, whenever when one whenever we feel like it. Um, I guess the the journey that I'm going to be on is is trying to drill into um, what exactly uh, why. Okay, so there are a few things that I've been thinking about that are like cultural chaos runes. Okay, that like 
the more people think about them, they get driven insane. Mm. And one of them that is most entertaining to me, entertaining, sometimes concerning, Chapo Trap House yeah. is a cultural chaos room. And the more that people think about it, the more they are driven insane by it. Yeah. Uh, and Infinite Jest seems to be like one of those things. And David Foster Wallace in general is like, mm-hmm. the more people obsess over it or like its mere presence in society, in yeah. cu- culture seems to be something that infuriates people for well, some it's reason. it's just like, how dare someone write a book this long? Yeah, like, is, or is that intellectual really... or good or something. I, I also think, like, I don't know, at least literarily, I think people are so concerned with, like, what's the great American novel? Yeah. And I think it, people freak out over, like, is this it? And if this is it, like, is this it? Yeah, and it's also, I think people, he gets wrapped up in, like, oh, why do white men get praised for doing good things and then you have to kind of go to it and be like well it's good yeah 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 i don't know it i there were a few other things that i thought were uh and and he didn't stick around long enough to like write stupid essays for the new yorker about how global warming is good actually yeah it's true and he was never on like epstein's plane that yeah we know of. that we know of um he's yeah. definitely <laughs> did some bad there we'll we'll see as I we mean, journey through this book there's definitely going to be yeah. some like you know, stuff that doesn't, like most things produced in the 90s, not everything yeah, in this age well. Yeah, when was this actually well. written? Uh, this came out in 96. How long did it take him to write this? Like a decade? A long time. A long time. Yeah. But uh, he wrote a novel before this, The Room of the System, which if people don't want to deal with this, The Room <laughs> of the System is much more readable. It's a, it, it bree- it's a breezy read. Published in 96, and he started working on it um, in 1986. Yeah. A decade, yeah, um, yeah. And a, a ni- the the first one is a nice is like the beach read of David Foster Wallace, kind of. Uh, right after we, uh, this is a fun, funny DFW story. My my context with the books of essays is right after I graduated college. A, a friend of mine, his parents, is a a, a college graduation gift, or his like grandmother had like a timeshare in a like a resort in Mexico, mm-hmm. and gave him a week at the resort Mm -hmm. in the timeshare for a college graduation gift. And he invited like three of his bros, including me. Uh, But this resort, and we went right after we graduated, this resort was like clearly for old Jewish people. Yeah. Like his family. Yeah. And it was, it was like for old people. So it was like very nice and very lavish, but, uh, it was not like young people like woo spring break for like senior yeah, yeah, yeah. frogs fun or something. Yeah. So we were there and it was just like open bar all day and like uh my friend who you you would know uh my 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 party friend in in college uh, obtained some like uh, local uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh huh. Let's say yeah. So but there was nothing to do so we would get just totally zoned out and drunk on the beach at like noon and just read. (laughs) So I was sitting on the beach, like kind of barred out in, in Mexico reading a supposedly fun thing. I'll never do again straight through. And on the last day that we're there, we encountered some other young girls, girls our age who that we'd like kind of seen from afar as like the only other young people there and started and like grabbed some drinks with them on the last day there. And in the most, uh, negged perhaps negged i've ever been is when they we finally approached them and said hey i want to hang out they're like oh yeah you're the guys who read and you never read a book again and i never read a book again because it's not cool for for no, guys to read cool. it's it's it is the podcast the, only yeah that is that is why you are the uh chad 
DFW reader. And I've got I am the, the body version. of a heavy reader. <laughs> You've got the body I've of got it. the body of a, a heavy, heavy reader. reader. Uh, All right. What do you what do you say? I'll let's call it there. Let's we'll be back it. with more DFW some other time. This has been uh Infinite Cast. Come come join us on this journey. Uh and if you're already one. here, then you're on this journey. <laughs> too, <laughs> you big weirdo. If you're listening to this, it's too late. <laughs> All right. Bye.